Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who's once again forced my friend Adam Gardner into a a, a job of redesigning our logo. <laughs> it's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Uh, for the second time. These these young people changing their look once, maybe even twice a year. Who do they think they are, eh? Who do they think they are? So, Nathan... Um, let's once again start a podcast by talking about male pattern baldness. Let's do it. Um, you, you mentioned on the Nema pod that you were thinking of shaving your head, and you've actually gone yep. ahead and done it. I have. I have. Talk I us have. through. So, talk us through what happened. Well, I my 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 hair has been thinning quite a lot over the last couple of years the last year especially um where like so simultaneously it was like getting quite flat it was losing a lot of its volume and it sort of swept over style and also like you could kind of see the scalp Mm -hmm. from the front a bit and so um next week is my girlfriend's birthday so i decided we'd we'd go out and i'd get haircuts for both of us and we'd go get all fancy because we'll we're spending a couple of nights in a hotel next week um so um, hers went great. <laughs> and then I, I spoke to the barber and said, look, I've got this problem. I've got this unique hairstyle that I'm really happy with, but like, I'm, I'm thinning out. What would you recommend? Is it just time to just shave it all off? Or if it was shorter, sometimes when it, when it was younger and it was shorter, it was curlier. Would the curliness come back if it was shorter? These kind of things. He said, let, let me sort you out. I've got an idea for you. And so he gave me this sort of like, uh, just shorter version of my previous hairstyle. Uh, and to be fair, it, it absolutely hid the thinness. It hid the, the, the bald spot, but it was just this terrible style that I hated. It was the sort <laughs> of, um, it was like a kind of, uh, a late noughties emo <laughs> scene or with the, with a, with a hint of like, can I speak to the manager about it? Oh, wow. And, okay. um, it lasted about a day and I was like, right, I'll get the clippers do like um uh just a short on top and see how that looks and then it was so patchy it was so rough it was so thin i was like right it's three millimeters all over um so yeah 
and and I think it suits me, and I think that my my beard does a lot for me, and um, and it's fine. Um, I don't know. I miss my hair. I really miss having my long hair. It was a big part of my image, uh, my identity. It, it meant something to me, as maybe as silly as that is, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy with how I look. Mm-hmm. How it is? I think I'm gonna try to let it grow in now, may, mostly under a hat for a little bit, but um, I've sort of already bitten the bullet. So um, you're gonna it let it grow, back, really? I think I'm gonna give it a try. I'm gonna give it one try, basically. I'll let it grow in a little bit and see how it looks. And if it's rough, which I suspect it will be, then like, then it's easy. It'll be easy to just do it all mm-hmm. a second time. So, um, yeah. So when you went for the three mil all over, um, yeah. did you did you do it yourself? Did you get your girlfriend to do it? Did you start from the front? Did you start from the back? Uh, no, I, I I got it done for me. I, I think I can do it. I think I can redo it in future. But I think because of the it's like simultaneously it's a little bit technically difficult it's probably not to someone who's done it to themselves a hundred times and it's also like emotionally scary so i needed someone else to do it for me to be like take this out of my hands and make it happen and yeah and so and so it's done (laughs) so when you did the first cut where you said you just went short and it was really patchy yeah did like did it make you just want to cry it made me just want to rush and, and just get the the three millimeter buzz as yeah. quickly as possible. Yeah. And I was like rushing about the house, getting the things that I need to make it happen, and like trying not to be seen too much. I was I was I was embarrassed. Really self conscious. Really yeah. Yeah. Which I'm not normally uh, that kind of person, you know. No, no, mate. I feel I feel you so much. Like I'm. It's coming for me. It's 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 mm. it's months, if not weeks, away for me. And <laughs> I've wanted like I've come really close to just grabbing my clippers and doing it. But I know that I'd probably make a mess of it if I did it myself, especially in having never done it before or since I was like a teenager. Um, and that's like slightly frightening. So I want it done like the first time I, I shaved my head, I want it done either by a professional or I by think, yeah. my girlfriend who knows what she's doing yeah. and can like take ownership of it. And I'm really worried about that first moment where the front comes off. Because that's the bit that matters, isn't it? Like, I've got mm. a, I've got a ball patch on my crown, but it doesn't bother me as much as the front. Like, the front thinning is the bit that bothers me because I see it. That's the bit I see every day. <laughs> I, like when I'm in the bathroom and I look in the mirror and the lights on, I can see my scalp. That's the bit that upsets me. That's the bit that's like yeah. playing on my mind. I don't care about the back so much. Loads of people have a slight ball patch. It's not the end of the world. Sure. Ah, oh, god, it's tough, isn't it? But you don't have these problems. You've got such luscious, thick hair. Grey hair, so that there is a. It's nice. Yeah. I like the grey. I'd rather, I'd rather have grey than than pineapple. Salt and pepper, sure. mate. Salt is more. It's a bit more salt than pepper these days. It's very <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, Nathan, you're a brave man. Well done, and it does suit you, and you look you look gorgeous as ever. <laughs> and and your beard, your beard is is fantastic. Very jealous Helps. of your beard. It's yeah. it's so it's so even and full and symmetrical. Uh, so uh, I, I'm good. At, I've learned the skills of trimming it myself. I'm good at shaping my own beard now. It's taken. There's been some calamities along the way, but I've got the hang of all of the techniques. Do you but, use like, any there tools are a couple other of than clippers? It's like uh, I have done. I don't anymore. Okay. Um, you just freehand it. I just I pretty much just freehand it now because I, I know what I'm doing. I have a bunch of tools. I have like uh, my girlfriend got me like this weird like chin bend yeah. ruler thing, I've but I don't it. need that anymore. Um, yeah, that helps. So they're like, my tash doesn't grow down to my beard on one side, mm-hmm. so therefore I have to trim it to match on the other side. And then there's also this bit where, like, down the side of my right jaw, it like it always sticks out. It's always like I need like some <laughs> some um, 
I don't know, some beard oil or whatever to stick that down. But yeah. Yeah, I have similar issues. How are we not sponsored by some male grooming company? (laughs) We might be now. We might be now. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone else is, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They've just forgotten us. So we're not cool enough, basically. That's the answer, isn't it? We're too nerdy. Yeah, I've got the same issue, Nathan, with one side being... um, I've got more hair on one side of my face than the other, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's obvious as well. It's really annoying. And when I look at the side that's hairier, I'm like, oh yeah, that looks quite cool. And then the other side, I'm like, oh, why am I a child? <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> why am I a 38-year-old child? <laughs> oh. Anyway, there we go. There's there's all our, our hair chat for, for this week, probably, maybe. Who knows? Um, a, a, couple of, a couple of bits of admin. Firstly, we've noticed in the run-up to Christmas that sales of Bardi's photograph of the finale at White Art Lane are, are going nicely on our website, theextrainch.co.uk forward slash shop. That's available in as a canvas, as a print. They look really nice. Bardi's seen them with his own eyes and they, they come out really, really well. Um, it's a lovely photo. So add it to your Christmas list. Buy it for your, your coy's friends. Buy it for your dad. The frame version. Is it wrong for me to put something from my own shop on my Christmas wish list? No. If I get no. like if I get like a quid or something out of it, is that weird? <laughs> I don't think that's weird at all. It's a nice it's a nice uh, picture. It's a mm-hmm. nice thing. It is a nice picture. It's not weird I at might, all. I might do it. All right, I'll do it then. <laughs> I mean there's other merch there as well, and, and Nathan, you were just saying you might be a hat guy from now on, so uh so perhaps we'll add some more XG yes, hats please. to the yeah. to the shop. So you've got a variety. The other thing you might want to consider for your Christmas list is a subscription to our Patreon. I think a lot of people did that last year. Um, You know, why not? A year subscription is about the right price of a Christmas present for a loved one. And uh, it's it's a pretty nice thing. You get... Things like Nathan's instant reaction video to the um, the Leeds match, which I've not watched yet, but I'm looking forward to watching later on. Okay, um, you got that out very quickly, Nathan. That was late last night. I had to wait for the um, videos to be uploaded to the video provision <laughs> subscriptions <laughs> uh, that we that we as a as a podcast uh, have a membership to, um, but. It was pretty. I knew what it was going to be, and I just grabbed a bunch of clips really quickly and just ran through them. It was like a, I think it's like an eight-minute video, um, not thorough. Um, and we, yeah, we're going to talk about it more in depth, I guess, in a little bit. Cool. We've got some questions about it. Cool, cool, cool. And Bardi, you um, you had a lovely chat with John Sheridan. What a nice man. What a really, really nice man. He's a he's he's a gentleman that's been working in football from the early mid mid to late seventies. Worked at Luton. Worked at Spurs under Pleat, under Terry Venables. Was the the physio during the ninety one FA Cup run. And the guy that was pretty much responsible for saving Spurs because had Tottenham not sold Gaza to Lazio in um, in ninety two, we probably would have gone bankrupt. And it was his job to make sure Gaza was fit. And we had a great chat with him. Um, the next book on my book club is. Sam Hudson's Football in a Pandemic, which I'm quite excited to see, quite excited to read. And then we've also been chatting to Rob Davies, who I think you're going to be talking to, Wendy, and his new book is out in February. It's called Jackpot, How Gambling Conquered Britain. And he's got a chapter based around gambling in football. So I'm I'm going to talk to him about that. I'm really looking forward to speaking to Rob. He's an excellent Guardian reporter who's also a big Spurs fan. We've been in touch on Twitter for years now. Very nice guy. And, um, And we'll chat. We'll chat about his book um, on a podcast, which we'll put out on the main feed in the near future. And then hopefully he'll agree to also do a Bardi's book club once Bardi's had a chance to read his book come February, once it's released. Looking a forward fireside to that. chat. 
Another fireside chat, yes. Nice sound effects. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get into the Leeds game. Um, I mean, firstly, oh my gosh, such such a nice feeling to to win a game, and I was really excited about talking about it today, which hasn't happened for a while. It just felt great. Um, obviously, the first half wasn't so great, but the second half, I think there were lots of things to be a bit more optimistic about. Uh, including Conte's reaction and the crowd's reaction and the, and the sort of sense of togetherness that the um, the result brought about. Um, really good stuff. Freshwater Ghost says, in his Spurs Leeds analysis video, Nathan suggests that the differences between ha- the halves were more Leeds tiring than any tactical changes. It seems right to me. But Conte insisted in a post-match interview that it was changes in both mentality and tactic that made the difference in the second half. So what was Conte talking about? And let me read the... Um, one of the Conte quotes very briefly. He says, first half for sure, but it was my decision. We were more compact. We left them to lead the possession. Second half, I totally changed the situation and the tactical aspect. And also I said to them, we had to go man to man and play with the same intensity. If we wanted to beat Leeds, we had to beat Leeds at what they're good at doing. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. I think that's completely honest. Um, I was focused on on what we were doing on the ball. And, and maybe there's a case that we... Um, had higher wing backs and that created more space for the wide centre backs. Um, I'm not sold. That was definitely the case. And of course, when you're talking about like the the change was Leeds tiring, then it's completely reasonable the idea that us pressing back at them would mm-hmm. would force that situation along and, and tire Leeds out quicker. But I think I still I stand that the main change in possession was that Leeds were just a little slower out to us and and that means two touches instead of one for everyone and and that completely changed the game I I didn't see much difference between the pants because like the first half so much of it was like an early ball to Lucas who gets turned over as or before he receives Um, and then in the second half many good plays came through those early balls to Lucas and Son and then playing off them and continuing off them so um yeah, I, I I accept that. Um, by saying there wasn't a tactical change, that's short sighted because we changed how we defended. We had a higher line. Um, we closed leads down much earlier. We managed to keep the ball in their half a lot more. Um, but I think the in possession were still drawing leads all the way towards us, playing deep, using Eric Dyer as a spare man, um, and then just getting those pattern moves working better as leads were um, finding it harder after sixty minutes to to be right on us at every move and and contesting the loose balls in midfield. I was um I wasn't too down about the first half. It's, I seemed to be the only person that wasn't. I thought I thought there was enough there in the first half that, like Nathan said, you could see what we were trying to do, and it it just wasn't working. We were getting closed down too quickly. But I think this is I think we'll probably see this a lot with Conte, where we will just keep repeating, repeating something, and at some point during yeah. the match, it will click. And had Leeds not scored that goal, I think I think the first half was all right because Leeds were Leeds were maxed out, and we were attempting to play how we wanted to play but we couldn't quite get there so it was a constant like almost like a jab in a way a jab in a way eventually eventually you're going to tie them down eventually they can't keep up this press to the way we're playing and gaps are always going to appear so I was I was pretty confident and then the second half started and you could see it Leeds were unable to keep keep coping with our repetition of play and it just needed even that first half it just needed Lucas or Son just to be a bit sharper or it needed Reguilón to release the ball and pass it across to Emerson. It just needed that one bit. And I had faith that we were organised and playing a style that eventually would lead to something. And that's kind of what happened. I mean, yeah, we were, team were booed off at half time, um, which seems extreme to me. I don't think I would have been booing if I was there. 
Um, I think the team news was a little uninspiring, but not really concerning because I just have that level of faith in Conte that that it's fine, that 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 will land with the right team sooner or later, or maybe you already have and everything's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, like for the last couple of years, like we've we've been like pinned back in our own half under Mourinho, we've been pinned back in our own half under Nuno, maybe even that was true at the end under Pochettino. But this was it, it. It looked very much the same, but this wasn't quite the same as that mm. because there's there's a level of sophistication and planning and understanding going on there. Um, that, that obviously isn't like immediately visible there in the stadium, so it felt like more of the same. And and I can understand some fans' frustration. Conte handled this really well after the match. He was like, the fans weren't happy with the first half, and I agreed, um, which is a really good way of just sort of absorbing that criticism. Um, but yeah, uh, boo- booing was a bit much. There's another question about booing. Uh, what is it, Wendy? It is from Ram, who said, what did you think of the vocal booing of there backwards is. passes at today's game? I understand that people want free, quick, free-flowing football, but surely we also want to retain possession and wait for the right time to begin a move. Yeah, so... <laughs> um there's, there, there, fans are going to need to get used to backwards passes on the content, right? That's, that's a huge part of what happens. Um, yeah, I, I get it, but like the backwards pass is deliberate, right? It's intentional and, and it's super intentional against Leeds because again, it's about getting them to come to Eric Dyer, right? So in the video, I talked about how every single Spurs outfield player is man marked except for Eric Dyer, right? He's our spare man at the back. Leeds have a spare man and we have a spare man. And so, as Eric Dyer has the ball, someone who is marking one of the players near Eric Dyer, whether that's normally the white, one of the wide centre backs or either Hoybier or Winks, steps out, leaves their man and closes down Eric Dyer and tries to keep whoever they're leaving in their shadow, but that's not always that possible. And so every time you make one of them sprint from Davies to Dyer, from Winks to Dyer, you're tiring them out. You're drawing them out and you're opening the space that the player who's now been left can potentially move into. Um, but this isn't just specific to Leeds. Um, passing all the way back to the keeper again and again and again is such a huge thing under Conte. And um, I don't know, it's just it's just such like a an enormously simplistic way of looking at football to be like, no, move the ball towards their goal, you know, because it's like it's about the manipulation of space. While I don't think most Spurs fans will like maybe clock that I think that they will grow at peace with it as they see us win game after game after game playing this way mm-hmm. um, so uh, I don't know it's kind of silly to boo it but um, they're not passing backwards because like they're uninventive <laughs> or they're scared or that whatever they're passing back because it's it's a smart thing to do but uh, that's that's exactly it it's what you said earlier it's uh, there's sort of level of planning involved and I I didn't like the booing at half time uh, Not really, because we've got a new, we've just got a new manager who's really good, and we need to get behind the team. Um, yeah. But but also, I think it's like completely like I, I think there's a lack of understanding there of what we're trying to do. Like you, like you mentioned, the levels of sophistication um, compared to Nuno, compared to Mourinho, that's the key. The fans need to recognise that we were passing backwards deliberately as part of a tactical plan, not because the players didn't have ideas and were panicking which was regularly happening under Mourinho and Nuno. They just didn't have any other passing options, so they were going backwards. This is very much, you know, we pass backwards to go forward and the fans need to get back into getting used to that because it's what we used to do under Pochettino as well. There was lots of, initially in the build-up play, there was lots of passing across the back line before we blasted our way through midfield and and that was what we saw here, particularly in the second half. 
So I did think it, I thought the booing was ill-judged and I think people will come to realise that over time. Um, in terms of the sort of tactical element of our approach, I definitely thought there was a change in the second half in terms of how high our midfield was. Okay. Um, you, you mentioned the defence was higher in the second half and I agree with that, but I, I think also the gap between the defence and midfield was larger. And I, okay. think that was a, I think that was instruction. I think there were elements... So... <laughs> This is very windy. I went back and rewatched all of Winks's involvements because okay. pe- because people were being really harsh about Winks on the mm. internet, and and I felt sorry for him. <laughs> um, and there were a couple of times in the first half where he pushed, he pressed high to try and sort of force a backwards pass, and it worked. Um, but that was much more prominent in the second half. Like it, it seemed like Winks and Huibier Hobby were um, specifically okay. told to to press a lot more in the second half. Kind of like Conte says in that quote, you know, to, to press man, sure. man, man to man like Leeds were. So essentially, this was a calculated gamble by Conte to sort of soak up the pressure as much as possible in the first half and then play them at their own game in the second when they're, they're all pressed out. And the calculated gamble paid off. I mean, even if, I mean, Bardi's got point that the first half wasn't as bad as we perhaps thought. It was bad. Don't get me wrong. We, we... I don't think, I mean, let's look at scales of bad. And it, I don't think it's on the, the bad register. It's a average first half. I, I'm not sure. I think, I think in isolation, I think if you, if you look at that half and you put it underneath Nuno, I think that you'd be more upset about it. I think, 100%. I think yeah. if we saw that, uh, we did see that halves like that under Mourinho and we hated them. But I think it's because... Like because we know there's more going on, you know, because because. But we didn't know um, that half time, and that's why I sort of that's why fans were probably upset sure. upset because we didn't know that there was this plan to sort of soak up the pressure and then play them at their own game. But what I would say it, to to sort of agree with Bardi's point is that Leeds Leeds scored one goal, and the goal was like a point seven expected goals chance it's like it's a tapping it's, it's even dan james could score it. even dan james can score that kind of goal and um they didn't create a lot else like the the, the xg no. total for that half was about 0.9 so all their other attempts came to about 0.2 less than 0.2 there's not there's not a lot to get worried about there it was just the possession we couldn't keep the ball we couldn't string passes together and that is frustrating to watch because we know we've got good players who who can pass the ball but Leeds are also a very competent pressing union. That's you know, Bielsa's got them trained to within an inch of their lives and they're hard to play against. We've we've found them hard to play against with every all of our previous managers. They've just been a, a problem for us. And that's that's no surprise. So I did this video last week where we had, I talked about Conte's history against pressing sides and the trouble that he has against them. And I said, I think I said it as well on the podcast, but what he's looking to do most weeks is um, take an opposition who sort of defended more of a medium block and draw them towards and make them press high and make them do a, a difficult impression of a high pressing side, draw them into that situation. And then when he can, comes up against teams who are doing that every week anyway, and who are specially designed and drilled and practiced and the squads are built around those ideas, he tends to have more problems. And that's kind of what we saw in that first half was more of what you saw last season from Inter against um, not so much Verona, but against Atalanta, where the moves are just dying in the second or third pass. Or not even the second or third pass, but the second phase. So there was more build-up around the centre-backs and goalkeepers and number six uh, into we're not at that level of a combination in those areas yet. But regardless of how long the players being, being built up there, in both cases the moves are dying out um, as as they reach you know the attacking midfielders, mm-hmm. as they try to receive. 
Um, and the difference is that like Leeds squad is like championship level, and and Atalanta's is really good, <laughs> and and the fitness levels are just are just higher. Basically, I think that's mainly it. Um, they Leeds made a sub around sixty minutes. Uh, I can't remember who I could look it up. Um, that may well have you know because the depth just isn't there, and and they went into that match with major injuries as well. Um, so I think that this is like um a lot of what you're going to see from Conte against mm. high-pressing sides with the addition of Leeds tiring and fading late on. And with the addition of, uh, you know, his his training and approach having had more time to be learned by our squad. Of course, but I, I still think that, like, I still think, that like, if you look at Inter, um, like, late last season when they've had plenty of time under Conte, and again, you have those longer, deep circulations before the long ball, they're still failing in that, in that okay. long attack a okay. lot of the time. I do think we, we will have to get used to this, though. This is something that we're going to have to learn to adapt to. There will be occasions when it, it, it does go like this, but the game is 90 minutes and we can't get all upset after 45 minutes. I wasn't, I wasn't there yesterday, so I, I can't give you a, like a temperature check of what was going on in the stadium. But from where I was sitting watching it on TV, I, I thought it was unfair. And I do think we're just going to have to get used to it. We're going to have to get, as Nathan said, get used to passing backwards, get used to circulating the ball that way and get used to being looking like nothing is happening. Well, all we're doing is we're, we're prodding. And sometimes it will be maybe like, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Eventually, one of these combinations will work and then we will break through and we'll get one of our better players um, in a, an attacking area. I do think Sun and Lucas is a problem in some ways. They're not, they're not the greatest with their back to goal. And they're um, too similar to each other as well, I think. Exactly, yeah. I, I do think I would like to see some some change there. I mean, it's really unfair on Lucas because he always walks away from these games and getting rated. Someone I was chatting to a chap from work and Ben said he got 9 out of 10 in one newspaper. And it's unfair because he does look good, but he's also looks good, but he's also part of the problem. And I would like to yeah. see us, yeah, I would like to see us swap with a more possession, a guy who's a bit more, he's got a higher a higher percentage of retaining possession. I do think that Lucas is the area that we need to improve in. And we, I know we keep saying that and he keeps playing well, but we do need to fix that. Under multiple managers, yeah. I mean, he so he is where possession died in the first half mm. over and over and over again. Now that is more systemic than it is individual, but it is also individual that he wants to try and turn there rather than his ability to sort of lay the ball off to Hoybier and Winks. Yep. Very well, that's less of his game. He's also pretty much the player who created all of our chances in that game. So like, yeah. it's very hard to be critical. Like he was, he's a good case for man of the match for us. But the problem also is that we're in a situation where Lucas is our man of the match. Does that make sense? It makes complete totally. sense. It was a proper feast or famine performance from Lucas for me. And I, I think you're right to point out that some of it was systemic, but also his decision-making in the first half in particular was absolutely awful. I mean, that's Lucas, isn't it? You know, his decision-making is a problem. It's not It's not his strength. He needs to. He needs to have some freedom to just sort of play, do his own thing, and he does it very well. Um, a lot of the time, but there's a lot of time he doesn't do it very well. And you want to just scream. I mean, I was screaming at my television, Lucas, just pass the ball to Regulon. He's right there. Pass the ball to Regulon. And he's not, he dribbles on and loses the ball. And you're like, oh, for God's sake, not again. Kane did the same thing late in the game. Yeah, he did. He did. Kane really wanted the goal, didn't he? <laughs> he made some poor decisions for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> but you're right to point out, Nathan, that Lucas also created the goal. When I mean, he does e- get the even pass then, off. even then, he was dry. I mean, I was screaming at my TV because he'd taken the ball off Kane's head from that cross. 
Like he 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 had ch- attempted to go for a ball which was going on Kane's head and he blew it. But then he you know anticipated it really well, quickly nipped him before Melier and and played an excellent cut back to uh, Huibier. Then he wins the um, the free kick for for the winner as well. So he he comes away from the match with with a lot of credit, and yet as Bardi points out, lost the ball countless times. I mean, not just through poor passing, but also poor touches, um, poor decisions. So, like, he's just such a weird player to judge. It reminds me of Jermaine Defoe when he was at Spurs. I mean, I used to be so critical of Jermaine Defoe because he would do so much wrong, and then he'd put the ball in the back of a net, and it's like, well, that's his job. He's a striker. He's there to score, and he scored. What more do you want? Does it really make a difference that he's given the ball away 10 times in this game as long as he's scored his, his chance? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm conscious that once again, we're talking about Lucas when we started talking about Winks. So I'm going to give my final bit on Lucas, but he's just so goddamn eager. That's the problem. He's a, he's an intern that runs around the office getting all the stuff done when he should be actually thinking about does this actually need to be done? But I'm I'm going to defend Winks. I'm going to go back to Winks now. I thought Winks did okay. I thought he was thrown in. I thought he showed a bit of determination. He ran a hell of a lot. He he had a tricky first 15 minutes where he turned into trouble a few times when he was pressed, but that, that's going to happen. But I thought he was okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not down on him. Yes, we need better, but I thought I thought for Winks and what we've seen from Winks from the last twelve minutes, that was probably the best we've seen from Winks in, in quite some time. Hundred percent. I I have a lot of faith that Winks can work in a Conte system. That's not to say that I don't think he can be upgraded because I think he can be easily upgraded. Yes, but 100%. he's um he's not uh he's not a useless player. I think it's also worth pointing out that he's played seventeen minutes in the last month. So, of course, he was going to be rusty, and he was very rusty in the first 20 minutes, as Bardi points out. Like, a couple of players just ran past him, and he was slow to balls. And then he kind of got into the game, and he actually played some really nice forward passes. One beauty out to Regulon, um, where he just, like, weighted it perfectly past the defender. And then one which he he backed up play and then fired one into Kane's feet in the box, which was a really, really nice pass as well. Um, and he was very good in the second half. I thought he really kind of came in, came into the game and, um, and it was great. We had a couple of questions about Winks. This one's interesting from Mackie. Mackie says, what are your thoughts on the ridiculous notion that seems to be circulating that Winks is only playing because Mason is on the coaching staff <laughs> and is in Conte's ear telling him to play his mate? Uh, I mean, we take some responsibility for this because we talked about Mason playing his mates when he was the manager. <laughs> um, but I basically don't think that Conte is going to pay Mason that much consideration no. when he comes to picking his team. Simple as that, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think there's anything in that. Um, Conte is picking who he wants to pick, isn't he? Yeah, I so. Antonio Conte is not sat there taking tips off Ryan Mason. Not at all. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> I think the reason that Winks is. Oh, how, 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 there's one more. Matt D, how concerned are you for Ndombele that Winks was picked over him after both had two weeks to Conte? I know he's better than Winks, but I find it way more likely there's a legit reason when Conte is making it. There is a legit reason. And it's like Winks is such a Conte player, right? This is why he's picking him. Not because Mason's in his ear going, oh, my mate Harry, he's right. It's, it's Winks is like the exact model of a Conte number six, right? He's just like Brozovic, except that he is lacking in the quality, right? If if Winks was 21 um, pre-injury, then then Conte and Winks would have been an absolute lock for life, right? They, they, they're perfect for each other. The problem is that the, the player that Winks has developed into, partly through injuries, partly through misdevelopment or whatever else... Um, is that like the quality is going to be found out eventually. And it's like, 
I mean, so far what we've seen is that like <laughs> Winks isn't so good as a midfielder that he can solve problems that we have on his own, right? He didn't solve the first half through his own creativity and technical ability. However, when there is a systemic solution to that, which in this case is keep going and Leeds will tire out, we'll press them back, they'll tire out even more, we'll gain control of the game, we'll be able to keep working those things and they'll have a really hard time coming out to us. Winks is a capable tool in that situation, right? So it's whether it's whether Conte is saying, let me bring in someone in Ndombele or La Celso who is going to be like, um, is is less the exact style of my preferred midfielder but has a higher quality and can solve problems on their own and can think outside the patterns given and and just beat a player on the turn if you imagine in those situations where as soon as Wings or Hoybier receive the ball there's a Leeds player pushing through the back of them if that's Ndombele he can receive that on the turn absorb the foul go round maybe he goes down because he's been fouled or maybe he creates a counter right that could potentially offer us something that would have won us the game all the Mm -hmm. way from the start from the first half but there's also the downside of what if he tries that when he shouldn't and I don't want him to and he loses the ball there and then Leeds have the ball and they get a run at the defence or that kind of thing so yeah I mean Conte's history and his style would suggest that he would prefer to have the less quality midfielder in Winks who's going to follow instructions to a T and not make any differences himself and all of the all of the all of the tactical adaptation or all the problem solving comes from Conte's decisions rather than Ndombele who's going to solve things on his own but I also still think that quality matters and that as he has more time with this team um he will certainly give Ndombele a go and 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 experiment with him and potentially give him some leeway in terms of of breaking up instructions and patterns and doing things his way I also think um Judging by Conte's quotes last week in the press conference, he seems to think that Ndombele has more to learn than others in terms of yeah. adapting to his system. And so it might just be a case that Ndombele needs an extra fortnight to get it. And once he's got it, he'll be a lock. He'll be trusted. Uh, I think it's less about getting it. Like It's not that he's like not bright enough to understand or, or less familiar with these ideas. It's that his style of play is so individualistic exactly. that he needs to sort of adapt to playing in this more pattern-based style. Exactly what I mean. Yeah, he's... Um, so it's interesting, isn't it? Because that should be a strength. <laughs> that should. I mean, it is a strength. The fact that he can take the ball and beat a man and create space and then the game opens up ahead of him. But in a Conte system, it's it's both a strength and a weakness. But it's always a strength and a weakness. Uh, it's, it's neither. It's it's a stylism. And it, yeah, stylisms are going to vary depending on, on what you need and what you want and what the problems are and, and everything else. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's. I don't think like what he said the other day in the press is a critique of Ndombele or necessarily a compliment. Right? It's it's it's. Um, I don't know. It's like if you want to play um, a long ball and crossing style of football and um, you've got like a five foot poacher, you know, mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or a, a dribbly, you know, small. It's just it's just it's just a matter of match and style and fit. And I think that, that there will be adaptation from from both ends in the coming future. The thing is, we've seen Ndombele play that for Leon. We've seen him play a much more disciplined role where he's more restricted in what he can do and it was fine. Like, in a two, in in a pivot, he was fine. Uh, one thing I'll diverge from you on from... Did I phrase that right? One thing I will div- diverge from you on... On from... Oh, God. It, sounds, like, it doesn't sound right, does it? 
the sentence one was, thing that you will diverge on from me yeah that's right yeah one thing that i will diverge on from you nathan is um <laughs> where you said <laughs> uh winks playing as a six because uh, yeah. I, I didn't see much six play yesterday. I saw no, sure. okay. I saw a okay. lot of box to box play, and I thought that's one of the reasons why Winks looked better. Because I like that's how Winks always was. That's like Winks was at his best when he had a bit more license to to do stuff. And there's a brilliant video, I've mentioned it before. There's a brilliant video of his last game for the under twenty threes where Winks is like this free flowing number eight who gets forward and links links the play really well. And because he's just been sort of typecast as a, as Mourinho called it, a positional midfielder, we we kind of lost that side of him. And it was nice to see it back in in yesterday's game a little bit. And um, the other interesting thing is we've spoken lots and lots and lots about Winks's physicality, his ankle yeah. injuries, the fact that he's scared to go in for cha- challenges. Um, yesterday he ran nearly twelve kilometers, which I was really really pleased about because it shows that he can still he can still run. He's not lost it. Um, Kane also ran over 11 kilometers. I mean, this is just confirmation that the the lack of running was simply a stylistic choice. From, yeah, you know, like almost pe- entirely. Pe- people make out that we weren't trying <laughs> under Nuno. That's just ridiculous. Well, we, what we what were... people do is they will claim that Conte has dramatically improved our fitness in a three week yeah, window. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and Kane's not even been there, right? He's been playing with England, so. It's nonsense. It's absolutely Bardi, nonsense. how long does it take to train for a marathon from a low level? Uh, you're looking at 16 weeks. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Uh, Last one on Winks. Kino says Winkyberg had a, I think he means Winky Hobby. Winky Hobby had a pretty oh, good no. second half without seeming to try, <laughs> without <laughs> seeming to try anything different. Could this help dislodge the skip, hob, double, pivot, and finally oh, break Roy Bear's ninety minutes every league game streak? Um, uh, did they yeah. do enough to dislodge skip? Um, Not so much dislodging skip, but but dislodging the 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 two parts. Yes. A death grip on midfield. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So one of them, any one of them, which is kind of the situation that we were after, regardless, I guess. Yeah, I think that can only be a good thing. Huey Bier's played far too many minutes over the last eighteen months, and um, 
if he gets it's a, affected his performances yeah. for sure for sure if he, if he can have a couple of games off i mean this this run we've got now for the next um five six weeks is insane Hjoibier can't he just cannot play every game he probably can't even play every other game they're that they're that many so it'd be great if winks can um, become a viable option and then Dombele and and lachelso as well um, yeah, I mean, I don't, Schoenberg, when he scored yesterday, I just, I took a, a little pray for my mentions because. <laughs> <laughs> because he can't run, he can't pass, he can't tackle, he can't shoot, he can't do anything. Well, it wasn't a shot. He, I said he tackled it's it like into the, into the Classy net. finish. It was he tucked a, it in neatly. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was one of the most Gary Lineker finishes you're ever going to see. It, it, it bobbled a few times. It wasn't very winning. smooth, was it? But it, it was great that he scored and he, he had that intensity. He shuffled his way into the box and, and he's, he scored an important goal. I still don't think he's, the, he's, he's anything useful for us, but I still think he hides a little bit too much. When Nathan was talking about um, Leeds players putting our um, defensive midfielder players in, in the shadow, I think Schoeberg is one of those guys that just loves being in a, in a opposition shadow. He never gives, he never offers himself up for, for a pass. Um, but it's good that he scored, and it's it's great that we now have Winks back in there, and we and we can rotate between the the three of them, and then we can see what happens with Los Celso uh, in the future. Do you know my favourite thing about his uh, goal, Bardi? What was that? The way he didn't celebrate, he just called everyone back to halfway. It's like, I hang mean, on, lads, there's there's more work to do here. I mean, if if you're going to celebrate, if you're the shouting midfield man who doesn't do anything, you might as well not celebrate and just shout at the players just to continue that character. Never break character, as I like to. I, I liked to it. I liked yeah. it a lot. I think we um we need to talk about our wing backs, and we also need to talk about Eric Dyer. Uh, where do you want to start? Um, Eric Dyer played well. He was pretty solid. I saw Harry Brooks um, tweeted after the game that that middle of the three is the easiest role to play in a Conte back three. Louise looked pretty defensively sound there and Dyer, Dyer's doing his job. He's doing what he needs to be there. He did some nice interceptions. He got himself, he covered the near post, which he doesn't normally do. So he, he's he's playing well and I'm happy to see him there. And I think we're going to go on later on to talk about players that could still be there in a year's time. And I, I think Dyer's probably nailed on to still be there. I'm very happy with how he's playing but I think you, you saw Calvin Phillips play that role for Leeds and it, it, it is a role which allows gives you a little bit more leeway in how you defend Phillips is a class player by the way I would, he, he would do big would, things on the I'd love, him, I'd love him at Spurs I'd really love Phillips at Spurs um, Nathan Eric Dyer was my man of the match how did you rate his performance thing with Dyer and I don't know if you guys have noticed this but his look it's a really good style <laughs> that he's got going on I don't know <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's playing the role where, like, again, in in that Leeds game, he's the one player who can have, like, a couple of touches before Leeds are right on him. So if you're looking for, like, presence from a Spurs player, then, then he's going to have that more than anyone else because um, he gets the ball, basically. Um, defensively, I thought, fine. It's, I mean, to get a real take on that, I'd have to rewatch and... And focusing on just that, but uh, yeah, I, again, I, I think I said on the last podcast, was it on the last podcast that um, that I think that he gets sort of a win out of this situation because like we need to improve at centre back, but we probably need to prioritise left centre back over central centre back, mm. and Dyer is pretty much the only player who can play central centre back. So okay, the the central centre back role, you need to be a the the a cat type defender or you need to at least lean towards a cat type defender role okay Davinson Sanchez could play that role but you also really want someone who can offer 
um it's not just quality of passing but like a dynamic range of passing so they can short pass in combination with their fellow center backs and the goalkeeper and they can pick out other passes into midfield and beyond and over the top and stuff like that and really i think eric dyer like romero has that passing range but he's just so insanely aggressive he can't really play that role i don't think so i think eric dyer is the only one who can really play that role meanwhile we're probably looking to bring in a left-footed player to replace davies in the first 11 so yeah in terms of what body was talking about i guess it's a question we have coming up later um Still still in the year, yeah, I think so. I think so. That was exactly what I liked about Dyer's performance, his um his ability on the ball. I, th- I thought his defending was good too. There was some excellent um he he cut out two dangerous crosses, one with his foot, one with his head, and that was really great. But it was what he did on the ball that impressed me so much. Really calm in possession, not rushed despite being pressed. Uh good long range passing, good short range passing, good passing through the middle to Lucas and Son. Just really impressed. I, I thought Tanganga had a again not played for a month, very rusty, and he struggled a little bit, I thought Tanganga. Uh but Dyer covered for him really, really intelligently, and I was super impressed with Dyer and long may it continue. And I want to talk about our wing backs as well, because <laughs> it was an interesting match for, for both of them, but especially for Regulon. Um, Leeds' goal was essentially two mistakes, one from each of our wing-backs. Emerson got beaten far too easily on his side. Regulon just completely switched off and let James uh, dash in front of him to get on the end of it. Really, yeah. really ugly piece of defensive play from both of them. And I think both have played well so far in the, in the two games under Conte. So um, so that was a shame. But they, they definitely grew into the game, didn't they? And, um, and Regulon showed a sort of attacking thrust in the second half, which I think was pretty pretty impressive. I mean, I thought I thought Emerson looked good. I thought I think you've been a little bit harsh on Reggion. Yes, he Dan James beat him to the ball, but I think he probably would have expected. I think he it was one of those where he was expecting Emerson to win that duel, so he hadn't got himself in position for it. And then Harrison whipped in. That was a peach of a cross. Um, mm. So yes, he's at fault, but I do think he probably he probably backed Emerson to win that 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 tackle. Um, I, but I thought going forward they were great. Um, what I loved about um, Reggion is on the goal, he's sprinting for the rebound before it's even hit. Yeah, no, yeah I like that. no one else is doing that. And that's an intensity and that's a desire. I don't know if that is a Conte t- telling him to do gonna that. I was going to say, do you think I'm that's sure. trained? Do you think that's coached? Do you think that's I something just, that he's been instructed to do from, from free kicks? I don't know, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. He was on the move way, way, way before it was hit, and um, and that's that's the reason that's the reason why he got to it first because he was he was he wasn't expecting it, but he was just committing to it, which is a a great thing to see and something that maybe Conte is instilling that that we're just committing to things, which is perhaps why he got caught out on the goal. But I think it's unfair to pin that on him. Um, I I really like Emerson. I like the I like the way he gets up and down. I like he's pretty pretty useful on the ball. He's always offering something. He has a good old engine and. Um, yeah, he, I know. he did miss a, a, a pass to um, Royale. Um, Regulon, yeah. yeah, that would have required his his right foot, and maybe he didn't see. Or maybe I don't he think just... it, I don't think it did require his right foot. You know, I think he could have played with his left. Okay, and well, he, he didn't he see, didn't see it. it. It was awful. It was so. Yeah, it was, like, I think the I think the crowd actually booed the lack of um, vision. Oh, to be honest, it was it was so obvious. It was such a clear pass, and he completely missed it. Yeah, I really think, annoying. I, I, he has passes like that in his time at Sevilla. I don't think that, that is like a, uh, 
uh, a weakness in this game. Um, I'm Jim. I like he's he's obviously like uh, towards the end of last season. He wasn't looking great. He's not had the best time under Nuno, and he's maybe even starting to slow under Conte. But I still just have so much faith in him as a player. I think mm. that all of the talent is there. It was and great saw... to see. Um, yeah, I was going to say. I think we we're going to yeah. say the same thing. It was yeah. great to see Cessignon come in and, <laughs> so and offer good. something as so well. So good. Scored a goal. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to see Cessna in your back. Um, it was the conversation we had with um, with Nima, um, where he mentioned that, that the fullbacks will be taken off regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, made me hopeful for for Cessna's chances of coming back into the the squad and the team. And to see him sort of play so assertively in his first game under Conte gave me lots of hope. And I hope uh, I hope we'll see him against Mura on Thursday. Uh, obviously, he needs to build his fitness up. He's he's got a lot of work to do in that regard, but uh, very promising little cameo, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Bardi, I'm fit for that role. Oh, he is. He he really is. Uh, like Bardi, I'm very impressed with Emerson Royale so far. I like him a lot as a player. Uh, very sort of um, dynamic player. I think just a really competent footballer. The best right back. He is going to get skins. He is going to get skinned by his by by Harrison. Sometimes it's going to happen. Like at least once every other game. And, and the but thing is, with it's... the back three, it's fine because you've got a covering centre back there. It's like that's a that's that's not a problem. I don't think on on the whole. On this occasion, it was obviously <laughs> in my view because Regulon wasn't doing his job at the back post. But I, I think generally, like less of a problem being blasted past if you've got Romero covering up behind you. I think the system gives a lot of protection to the wing backs and it gives them a lot of uh, capacity to to go forward. It's exciting. I think it is, and I'm looking forward. I'm actually looking forward to the Mura game. I think we'll see Cessignon and Doherty start that, and I'm quite curious to see what they can offer us. Mm. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be really good. Um, how many changes do you think Conte is likely to make? He's he's kind of said already that he'll rotate because he thinks some of the players uh, deserve a chance. Yeah, Are we thinking four or five changes? Are we thinking six 11? To, six to seven, I think. Yeah, five or six, yeah, in that kind of region, I think. He wants to he wants to try out some options and mm. yeah, I think so. I think so we'll mi- see um I think we'll see the, the wing backs rotated. I think we'll see um Brian Hill play. I think we'll see uh Endombele. I think we'll see Davinson, Rodon will start as well. Dyer will Dyer will retain his position. I think Lloris. I think Lloris Dyer and perhaps Kane will keep their position, but I think everyone else. Yeah, I think everyone else will be rotated just because we. I don't think Scarlett can play Kane's role, and I don't think anyone else can. Um, and we might see Delhi start in centre midfield as well. Centre midfield, or maybe like a kind of well, maybe in Lucas's role. Yeah, he came on and took Lucas's position. Mm. There wasn't a change of shape. I don't think to accommodate him, he just played sort of inside right. A shout out to Delhi for um, dyeing his hair the Italian flag as well. <laughs> his hair looks so good. It it's looks good so good. There's I'm a lot. Of, there's a lot of criticism <laughs> for it on on Twitter. I've seen, but it's it's excellent hair. It really suits him. Um, I don't think Delhi is that suited to the role Lucas is playing at the moment. Not really. Asking him to like wanting him. I mean, hmm, yeah. Either the layoff or the turn are. Are not great. Like receiving under pressure is he's you're going to get very mixed results um, mm-hmm. from Delhi mm-hmm. for that. He, but you know uh, he'll he'll give to us other ways. I think even if he plays that role, it's not like Son and Lucas are like smashing that role out of the park mm. right now. So I mean, Son's been very lackluster so far. I mean, I I would like us to try some a different shape against Mura, like kind of what you were hinting at last week, Nathan. Maybe um, three four three four one two or five three two play Delhi up front with Kane and see what happens I'm I'm all for that 
I'm all for giving that a go. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, let's do this one from Alex Barnes. I'd very much like to hear your views on why we've played 3-4-3 rather oh, than the 3-5-2 to date. I understood why he played it at Chelsea. He had Eden Hazard plus N'Golo Kante can do the running of two people here though i'm wondering if it's because he sees sunny as not a sufficient physical presence to be his mm. second striker contrast tevez and lautaro and therefore he thinks he has to play him as an inside winger like hazard do you think there is anything to that and if not why do you think he's preferred to 343 i'm not sure to be honest i think he started with 343 because it was similar to the 11 that we'd played a few days prior and he mm-hmm. didn't want to make too many changes he stuck with it I don't know if that's just a continuation of he's still sticking with that until he's able and ready to make those changes there was rumours or there was reporting that he was going to be experimenting with shape over the international break that he was going to try a, a 3-4-1-2 or a 3-5-2 um, I, I still think it's a little early to say he prefers the 3-4-3 for this squad so um, I think we just have to wait on this one for now I don't I don't think the th- I think the three five two just suits us really well, and the three four three not so much right this moment. Mm. Yeah, I uh, agree. It's um, it's continuity and it's sharpness of the players. I would suggest more than anything. So Lucas is someone who's been getting a lot of football this this season, so he's retaining his place at the moment. But I think over time he'll probably be the first to drop out of the team. Although to be fair, you could drop Lucas out of the team and still play three four three because you could bring Bergvine in in that position. So that that might not have a that much of a bearing on it, but um. I am all forcing three five two at some point soon. Buddy, any thoughts? Yeah, I just think it's kind of like what you guys have said that he's stuck with the players who've been playing the most rather than um, experimenting. I think we're miles away from seeing a, a Conte official team, so I think he's going with what works for the minute and what can get him through these games. Here's a here's a fun little statistical nugget for you. Uh, thinking about the way that Conte teams play, um, under Conte, Inter Milan last season recorded the fewest dribbles attempted and succeeded last season in Serie A. But Chelsea, under Conte, with Hazard in the team, had by far the highest number of dribbles. I think that does show that he will tailor his approach according to individuals. So, we, I mean, Son is not, he's not like a, a, a prolific dribbler, is he really? I don't, no. think, I don't think he's got a reputation for being good at it, but he doesn't do it a lot. Um, and I think we'll, we'll see Conte tailor his team according to individual qualities that, that come out over the next few weeks. It was Hazard and Pedro, wasn't it, for Chelsea? Sure. Yep. Uh, Lucas is very Pedro. Very, very Pedro. Yeah, I think so. I think that's true. You know, receives the ball back to goal, turns, runs at the fence with his own head down. Um, Pedro light, though. Cause oh, Pedro. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Pedro was much more efficient in front of goal than Lucas has been for Spurs. Um, yeah, just like a much better decision maker. Uh, but there's a there's a close stylistic match there, less so with Hazard and Son, as you both said already. So some we can expect something in between the two, I guess. And I guess it also depends whether Ndombele plays, because mm-hmm. if he plays, then you'd expect the number of dribbles to increase dramatically. So you've alluded to it already, but Alec Depkrinski said, of the starting 11 from yesterday, this is the Everton game, who do you think is still in Conte's preferred starting 11 a year? So that's two transfer windows from now. So the starting 11 from the Everton game was Larice, Royale, Romero, Dyer, Davis, Regulon, Skip, Hjoibier, Lucas, Son and Kane. Hmm. How many of those will not be in Conte's preferred 11 in a year's time, Barty? I mean, it's probably easy to, to say who will be there, no? That's, that's the easier option. Do you think, than really? Yeah, I, I think I think Royale... That many changes? Yeah, I think so. I think Royale, Romero and probably Dyer will remain. Um, Kane and 
Sun, because literally no one can buy them. Um, possibly Region, maybe Skip. Actually, there's quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> so, Schoeberg gone, Lucas gone. Um, Region, we don't know what his future holds him. Davies do you think and that, Do you think that, that Sessignon poses a threat to Regulon? Um, I do. I, th- I, th- I think he offers us a really nice alternative. I don't think he Okay, will... so you play both. Yeah, yeah I would, I'd rotate both, but Region would be my go-to guy for the big games right now. Play both, for sure. Yeah, loads of lo- loads of rotation and not kind of A team B team rotation. I'm talking proper rotation, and, and either will be good enough for whatever game. I think Session um, has got masses of untapped potential. Um, so you're sure on Huey Pierre? I'm not so sure that Huey Pierre will be out for team. To be honest, I think I think Conte because no like one's going to buy him. That's the problem. Half of these reasons is I think if he could probably I think he'd probably sell Kane or Son. Maybe not Kane, but I think he'd probably sell Son if if he had the money. If someone offered 150 million pounds for Son, we, no. we would sell him. No way, no way. We sell him Son. I think we well. I think we we all need to get back to selling. We we all agree that selling players is the correct thing to do. And if but we've just given him a massive contract, a long term contract. I mean, we're not going to sell him for ten million. We're going to if we do sell. I'm not saying we should sell Son, but I do say that if someone offers a bid for Son, we sell him. We've we've accidentally stumbled into the Sun selling debate once again. Yeah, <laughs> but we all agree I mean, that selling players is at their highest is is how you progress the club. Because otherwise, we end up in a situation we were two years ago where we got a load of old guys that we should have sold years ago. I I agree with you, but we're not doing it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think <laughs> we we should probably do it, but we're not. It's not going to happen. Like, I don't think so. We we did everything we possibly could to hang on to Kane. We've tied Son down to a really lengthy contract. On big money, I just don't think it's going anywhere. And also, there isn't the market for him, man. As simple yeah. as that, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's who's who's going to buy him at the price we'd want. Um, and frankly, I'm happy. I'm happy keeping Son. I I love watching him play. It makes me very happy. That's why I've highlighted him. I have put him in bold. In he's a list. keeper. As a, as a keeper, but I'm just saying, sell. So, I prefer him up front. Nathan, um, Larice. Nah, nah. He's not signing a new contract, is he? So you think he's a goner? I think he's. I think he's thinking about a nice move to LA or something like that, you know? Yeah, I think so. And I think that, like, we're poking around who's going to play after him. I mean, if we sign Pickford, I'm going to retire from Twitter. I'm, <laughs> I'll finally close my account. That will be the thing that finally ends me. Good passer, though, right? Yeah. but I, So I've been looking into this recently. I, I'm... I'm very easily won rounds by the aesthetics of his long passing um and his short passing is okay i've been i've been looking a little further into his short passing it's it's not that great i don't think i want to uh, if 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 more rumors sort of materialize a little more strongly maybe i'll go into that a little further but i i have a little bit of doubt over mm. pickford's i was discussing with some friends recently and they they're not so sure about the idea that he's such a great passer okay okay i mean if he wasn't young and english no one would care about pickford and that's the truth <laughs> He's not that young anymore, is he? Exactly. If he wasn't middle-aged in English, no one would care about him. <laughs> I, I mean, I think Pickford is not an elite goalkeeper, but he's a he's a pretty good goalkeeper, and we could do a lot worse. I kind of I think I agree um, with your other picks, Buddy Davis and Lucas, and yeah, Regalon's kind of a he's in there, but he's not in there every game. Um, so just you'll be able to different. I mean, I do think it'll be interesting to see. I don't think Huey Bear and Skip will both be in the team in a year's time. I think it'll be one or the other. It might not be either. I wouldn't be shocked if it was neither. 
Yeah, I guess it depends on how Ndombele and Le Celso get on in the Conte central midfield. Uh, and, you know, who's to say that Harry Winks won't impose himself on that team? And one other thing I wanted to say about Winks's performance uh, against Leeds was it's absolutely no surprise that Winks improved because we, when we had the ball more. Absolutely sure. no surprise at all. He's All his weaknesses are things that happen when we don't have the ball and all his strengths are things that happen when we do have the ball. So, you know, partly he's part of the reason for us having a lot of possession in the second half, but he's certainly benefited from it and him having multiple touches is a good thing for him. The idea that we're not playing Ndombele because of his defensive work when we're playing Winks doesn't match Oh, it's nonsense, me. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, the, he, the Winks is terrible like, defensively. He's he's really bad, isn't he? And really bad. Ndombele is quite a, a fair bit better. Yes. Not to say that Ndombele is a perfect midfield defender because like he is maybe a little too eager to press sometimes, but like Winks can be all over the shop in those moments. So the idea that like Winks is seen as like a more stable defensive um, player is, is is nonsense. It's about it's about it's about all the know, automations, following about the automations and following instructions tightly and everything else. Mm-hmm. I want to say a little thing on Davies. I think I think we've been a little bit unfair on him. I think he's been pretty good at left at left uh, left centre back. I think he's done yeah. good. I like his aggression. He got into the box, nearly scored a goal. I I do like his attitude, and I think he's been great. And I I, I think he'll still be here in in two two transfer windows time because of the flexibility he offers us and the fact that he's left footed. Um, Bardi, we've got to sell our good players at their peak age. You've got to get the right value for them. <laughs> I, I mean, if someone comes in with thirty million pound for Davies, I, I would sell him. But I'd, what about I, ten? I, ten? No, I, you're not going to buy a better left-sided centre back for ten million pounds. What about fifteen? I, I still don't. I still don't believe you. You can replace Davies for fifteen million. It's crazy, but I do think he's he has a future at the club, and it's. I think he's quite aggressive. I think he's he's got a nice attitude to football. He doesn't put condiments on his food. I think he's got a future. I think he's got long term. He'll still be here in four years' time, and he's going. He's going to get a testimonial. He's not far off it. You reckon he ends he his no career with Spurs? <laughs> has he really no sense of smell? I don't know. That's just a joke about you saying he doesn't put any condiments. It's because he's such a professional. He just doesn't believe in it. I'm actually um, keeping an eye on Davis for my fantasy Premier League team because I've I've been impressed with him. I think mm-hmm. we're going to keep clean sheets. And also, he's popped up in the box several times with his underlapping runs from centre-back. You can't count on that for fantasy points, I don't think. I wouldn't. He nearly wouldn't. scored, Nathan. He, oh, okay, then. He's hit the bar and hit the post a few times. Before the end of this, he will score three goals yeah. this year. He will score three, goal, three Premier League goals this season. He also scored a header for Wales in the international break. And I don't recall Davis scoring headers before. So I'm wondering if that's something he's been working on. He's grown three <laughs> inches in the last year. He's been on the stretcher. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Bardi. I think Davis is doing a really good job so far and he's a very steady Eddie type player. And um, when you've got a transitional period like we have at the moment, that is no bad thing at all. It's, mm-hmm. it's good to have players who just put in solid performances. Uh, Leonardo Dosaret says, with the laws of the game now forbidding offensive players from interfering with the wall during a free kick, a positive change, by the way, and with advanced metrics showing that goals from direct free kicks are remarkably few, should the laws of the game require more than the current 10 yards? distance from the ball on free kicks it's an interesting point so we we scored from a direct free kick we didn't score direct from the free kick but we scored from a direct free kick dies free kick hit the top of the wall hit the post came back out um but what do you think buddy do you think uh, a bit of extra distance would perhaps be an idea now 
I've been pondering about maybe we should just make football goals a little bit bigger. <laughs> in the in the same kind, I'm 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 now going to give, which is rather unlike me, an opinion based on no facts or no thought or stats. Like excellent. <laughs> why don't they make the? Um, this is and probably a little bit Alan Partridge in basketball. Why don't they put the net higher? And the same thing in football. Why don't they make the net a little bit bigger? Or should I make it smaller? There we go. I've gone. Yeah, I've gone full circle in 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 ten seconds of just talking to myself. Well, do you want more goals or fewer goals? I think that's what you want. I I do think the the net in basketball should be higher. Or, or in, do you want the same amount of goals? In which case, just leave it as it is. <laughs> leave it as it is. It's no, fine, Cardi. <laughs> can you imagine the, the, the upheaval if they change the size of the goals? Can, like the grassroots of the game is going to have to spend two hundred and fifty million on goalposts. <laughs> Mate, All I'm- of the history of statistics are immediately irrelevant. The thing with um, <laughs> the thing with changing the size of you know the net in either football or basketball is that like okay yes you might increase the rate of scoring but like you're also going to change the how right so if the mm. net is higher in <laughs> basketball you can never slam dunk right now yeah. already it's the case in basketball over the last few years that there's been this huge movement towards three pointers right mm-hmm. this will be the end of anything other than three pointers in basketball and it's the same with football right if the if the goal is larger instead of just getting like a better turnover of shots from the six yard box and the 18 yard box you get a lot more long shoot shots uh, long shooting um which like again in isolation is like oh i i like long shots they're (laughs) fun to watch but it's also like it completely transforms the sport to like where you defend and how and how you set up possession and and the skills you look for in different players it's like i don't know it it would (laughs) an extra inch (laughs) makes a huge difference (laughs) i mean this is all theoretical here leonardo posed the question so we're we're just chewing the, the fat here. He, he um, posed a very different question, buddy. You yeah, just like did. changed the question and answered something very bizarre, frankly. Uh, yeah, or maybe we should just make them smaller then. I guess if they're smaller, we get more... Um, stop stop talking about the tackles. goals. The goals are fine. The goals okay. are absolutely fine. What about the distance <laughs> over uh, a wall? <laughs> no, it's it's really difficult to score free kick anyway. So yeah, it is. You're really saying make it easier. Make yeah. it, no, but then you're changing the rules of the game. And then all free kick stats are forever over it's finished no keep it the same leonardo stop posing these questions (laughs) so yeah the thing with free kicks is that like they are a really poor return on on goals (laughs) Mm. um do you think you probably shouldn't shoot from a direct free kick do you think you should instead try you should almost never shoot from Mm. a direct free kick Mm -hmm. um so like if you think it like what free kicks are given for they're given for like fouls right that like I think most of the time for most teams um, you'd much much rather have the play continue than take the free kick right Um, there's a cardio element there where everyone gets a break but then so the opposition Um, I think that like your the reason there is so much fouling in football is because it's almost always a smart Mm. thing to do right it's much better to like bundle Lucas over as he's back to goal than it is to let him turn you because the free kick isn't that good so, yes, you could move the wall back and then maybe we'd score more direct free kicks. But I also think that like a huge improvement on goal return from free kicks is can be found with the current wall distance if you if all teams change or any given team change to a more indirect free kick basis where everything is done through routines and patterns and, you know, straight off the training ground routines. Um, so, like, <laughs> I don't know. 
everything that is needed to make free kicks worthwhile already exists within the games. It's just that the clubs aren't successfully applying themselves to the necessary degree. There's a there's a really nice um I think I saw it on Instagram or Twitter where uh, David Luiz has put the ball down for Chelsea and he's he's thinking about whacking it from 35 yards and just Knuckle as he yeah just as he's he's stepping back to do his run up Hazard nips in and just passes it short and gets the game on and I think I think Nathan's right we should <laughs> we should pass it more um but then I do think I do think there are situations where it calls for a good shot but with our, with the state of our free kick takers we should always play it short. More quick free kicks, more yeah. advantages, yeah. and more set-piece routines. Mm. Routines is the key. That's the absolute key, isn't it? It's uh, it's catching the opposition out. It's, it's it's doing things in a inventive, different, new way each time. Uh, but then you do ruin some of the most iconic and romantic moments of football when you when you I guess when you take such a mathematical approach to football you do ruin the romanticism like when Gaza in 91 put that ball down he should have probably passed it short but he, he walloped it into the top <laughs> corner but I think if you've got a player like Gaza I think it's okay to stick with shooting like if James yeah, Ward-Prowse but... fine let him shoot every time no no issue there sure. at all but like but also Carlos as well mix it up continue to offer because otherwise mm. if you never shoot from a free kick then mm-hmm. the opposition stops setting up to defend in that way and they're more prepared for your part so you have to keep it dynamic you have to keep yeah. mixing it up um but hey um Conte's arrived and Kane no longer is taking free kicks as part of his he grabbed that package. ball he absolutely grabbed that ball he really wanted it and Dyer was just like nope this is what was arranged I am taking is, the free kick this is yeah. what we trained this is what we agreed this is what Conte told us to do mm-hmm. yeah interesting one final thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, Conte G'ing up the fans and his uh, his his immense passion hugging every player after the, the match which I thought was very performative um, it is completely performative but I loved it I really <laughs> really loved it and I felt something and I felt good and it felt really nice to, you know even if it is performative which I believe it is I, it felt really nice to see um, the players the manager and the fans sort of become one it really felt like a turning point it felt like a okay no we are we're back on track again we're all kind of get, getting behind one another and this feels good um, I wanted to get your thoughts on that Nathan <laughs> Uh, the thing for me is that like I'm just remembering when he did that at Chelsea and it's kind of sullied right. it. I think that if he was if this was his first time in the Premier League, I'd be loving it. But I think it's a little bit sullied by by history, by him doing the same again, yeah, you're right, kind of performative thing um when he was at Chelsea. But I may well grow into it with time and I think that if we have some more sort of memorable moments and performances that aren't just like finally getting some shots on target against <laughs> Leeds, you know, if we're winning cup games or, you know, rival games against the top six and stuff like that, big moments that I might, then it might seem more genuine. Do, do it you, might be more genuine and I might like it more. I mean, do you I think, do think if it you were in the... Sorry. I do Sorry. think it is genuine. I don't think this is about him falling in love with Tottenham. This is about him falling in love. This is about how he reacts to football matches and, and when things go his way. He's he's not a guy that seems to have a, a love for a club. He has a love for his team and it doesn't matter who he's playing for, who he's managing. If it was Arsenal, Liverpool, he'd be doing the same thing. I'd... I'm not. I, what I do, what I get annoyed with, is when people think it's the it's that passion, which is the reason why Tottenham are winning. It's not. It's 
he, Tottenham are winning game. Tottenham won a game because of their, how they set up and the way they continued to play throughout the game and they didn't descend into chaos. They were playing a system and that's what happens. And he's so in love with his system and the way he plays that he celebrates it that way. And he wants his players to commit to it just as he commits to it. But he's far more than just a, a passionate manager. And yes, he does say you need, you need heart and everything else to, to make it work. But he, he's, he's much more than this. And it is performative, but it's something that he's always done. And it's just something we were going to have to get used to. And we will, in the end, turn to, to really love it and enjoy it. Do, do you not think, though, that... Um, I mean, I agree. I think he's, he's a lot colder than, um, than the, the celebrations which have you believe. But do you not think that... If you were there. No, no, no. Not, I was going to say that to you, Nathan. But in terms of the players, do you not think that's like a, an obvious motivational tool to sort of get their buy-in? To be that passionate? I mean, at, at half-time... I imagine he went full Conte passion and and was like, lads, come on. We need more in the second half. We need to be in their faces. We need to be smashing into these one-on-ones. And, uh, and, and like, I think you're right. I think it was the tactical approach that was the key, like not giving up what we were doing. Stick to your guns, keep doing the same thing. But I don't know. apparently, and I can't remember where I read this, but apparently it was actually a very calm halftime. Okay. okay. I think it would be. I, I do think he will, he will lose his shit if, if the players aren't doing what he's told, what he's telling them to do, he will lose his shit. But if it's a situation where the team is repeating what he wants to happen, but it's not working for him, I think he will be. I think he probably went into that half time and said, just do this, but do it better. I don't think he said, go in there and win a 50 50 and get it up. And <laughs> I, I do think there's far more nuance to how he, how he explains himself at half time. He doesn't go bada bee, bada bee, but he will. He will <laughs> <laughs> he's a good manager who gets players to be passionate about what he believed how he believes football should be played i think this happens to be good for us right now i think that mm. this is what this is what our players need they need that sort of drive for positivity for sure. and this, yeah. like the after the sort of the coldness and distance of nuno and the the misery at the end of the Mourinho, like having a sort of a fire uh, um, yeah 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 is is, is is definitely happens to be useful right now absolutely loads of hugs Yep. Hugs all round. That's exactly what the players need. They need to be made Together. to feel part of something once again. Uh, and you could, you know, Regulon's post-match interview was utterly joyful. He's just so excited at scoring the goal, winning the match. Really happy. He'd said pre-match that um, the training was like a really hard week for him. The hardest in his career, I think he said, in terms of being on the training pitch. Interesting. And, and then he commented on the fact that it paid dividends all the hard work had paid off and it was it was a joy to behold that excitement and enthusiasm and I think um I think Conte's harbored that frankly over the last fortnight I think he's created that and that's great and I think he like absolutely he's clearly a, a detail man he's a tactic tactics man but a little bit of uh, a little bit of fire and passion is not gonna it's not gonna be wasted on the Spurs crowd I think you know no, we need that and you could see he was um, asking to, for more from the crowd as well he, he understands that everybody has to be together and be part of this um, this quest you've been listening to The Extra Inch thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production thanks to Bardi for being Italian thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.